welcome to the Daily Reprieve, where we provide essays, speaker meetings, workshops, and conferences in podcast format. We are an ad-free podcast. If you enjoy listening, please help us be self-supporting by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and drop a dollar or two into the virtual basket. Please consider donating monthly by clicking the Donate Monthly button. However, one-time donations are always welcome. Just click the Donate Now button. Now, without further ado, this episode of The Daily Reprieve. You want to start on the step eight? Eight. Through eight, yeah. Let's commence step eight. So in the, uh, in the big book, the discussion starts on page 70, 76. Made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Um, and as I said, this is steps 8 and 9 are um, two of the steps that I'm, I'm happen to really be trying to focus on a lot in my own recovery right now. Um, and been in my prayer time a lot just to just been noticing some some character defects in relation to these two steps and uh, as as Robert says it's one of those willing steps and um, um, I've just been wanting to make sure that my heart is completely open and willing to to make amends when I need to and um, from my annual fist step and uh, so forth for the fist step. Um, most of the discussion in the big book deals with the nature of actually making amends. Uh, the ninth step, they break it up into you know money, criminal offense, um, domestic problems and so forth and we'll talk about that I, I guess after dinner. We're going to talk about just the eighth step right now and um, so from doing, doing the fourth step inventory, that already has given us the list of amends that we need to make. And it says, we have a list of all persons we have harmed and to whom we are willing to make amends. We made it when we took inventory. We subjected ourselves to a drastic self-appraisal in the fourth step. Now we go out to our fellows and repair the damage done in the past. We attempt to sweep away the debris which has accumulated out of our effort to live on self-will and run the show ourselves. So the again, this this is come the beginning to be the culmination of my of the decision that we make in the third step. First, recognizing before the third step where self-will gets me in my life and. Um, and, and here, after going through the inventory steps, now coming up to um, the opportunity where I can go out and actually make these things right, uh, which has been caused as a result of me running around on, on self-will. Uh, if we haven't the will to do this, we ask until it comes. Um, and then right here in the italics where it says, you know, this, it's, it's vital for us to remember that um, coming up against these two steps that 
we were willing to go to any lengths for victory over over lust. Um, and then it gets into um, excuse me. Yes, sir. Oh, I'm 76. I was, I was outside. Yeah, yeah, page 76. Um, and I got to say, one of the most, one of the things, I was talking to my dad about this the other night. He's, he quit drinking when I did as well. And we have, um, we used to have a, uh, not the best relationship for sobriety. And um, I was just sharing with him the other night of how how grateful I am for the relationship that, that we have. It's, it's a gift. And I know that not everybody maybe has the chance to have it. And um, and he was and he was saying how it's not the same like with he and his dad. And it is a direct result of working the steps and into this program, and one of the things I share the most, absolutely, is the uh, gift of the relationships that I have in my life today, and the healing of the relationships between, specifically, with my parents, my brother, um, and not only have those been restored and really given a whole new identity, if you will, um, then in these and in, in, in these two steps, I'll elaborate more when when I read later on step nine, but have have begun. I love the thing uh, you do with your hands here. It's done this deal for me, where uh, I've really started to get harmony with. You know, my closest people in my life, my family, and then that branches out to friends and everybody in my in recovery is where I have this opportunity to be open and from doing the inventory steps, transparent and, and just just to be, just you know, just to be and to be available and so uh, it's, it's a wonderful deal to to have the opportunities to cultivate these relationships and. Um, it's, I'd say, one of the biggest, most tangible gifts I can think of of recovery. And, um, and, I, and I love the line here where it says, Our real purpose is to fit ourselves to be of maximum service to God and the people about us. And I had, um, when getting sober in New York, Father Stephen used to say, um, the, one of the main purposes of sobriety is so I can be available to my fellow brother and sister. And if, if I'm not sober, I can't be of service. If I'm sober, I can fit myself to be of maximum service to God and the people about me. And if I fill my time and my energy with that, um, it's, just, it's just one of those things that, again, keeps me out of self, out of myself. Um, and then from there, like I say, it really gets into talking about the uh, the ninth step in particular. Um, you want, you're going to be you're going to do your deal and read through in twelve and twelve and step eight. I'm not going to read through it now. Yeah. Okay. All right. Um, yeah, I'll have I'll have more more detail to talk about for sure on step nine from the big book. So. Thank you, Adam. Yeah. Thank you.
Excuse me. Making this list personally hard. Is it dealing with anything and everything that we feel we're part of? Anybody? Or is, could that be another specific that you have to choose for yourself? And that women we find or I find in relationships dealing with the sexual act again. Yes. Yeah. Anybody that's on your four step list that needs to migrate up to eight? You know, resentments, harm. And that's a good question, and I think that uh, it'll be answered as we kind of go through this. And, you know, first of all, we, I tell guys, uh, okay, we, you know, at a step a week, you know, we finish seven, and, uh, okay, next week we're going to be covering eight, and I want you to make a list of all the persons that you've harmed, and, uh, and bring it, and get this. You don't have to be willing to make amends to them. Just make the list. You can tell your ad. You know, we're not going to make amends to that SOB. We're just going to make the list. <laughs> yeah, it, it's good. <laughs> you know, he, it's okay to lie to him. You know, he's been lying to you for years. <laughs> you know, and, uh, and I'm going to tell you this. Make no amend before it's time. They used to, Gallo used to have a thing. Drink no. We will bottle no wine before it's time. Make no amend before it's time. Because if you try to make an amend that is insincere, it's worse than if you wouldn't have made it at all. It'll come across as hollow and insincere. They'll know it. You'll have ruined it. Do make no amend until you're ready. Until you have that willingness. I have a question. Uh, when you say that, uh, if I'm in a situation where I can help out somebody who I have, have harmed in the past without, you know, sitting down with them and saying, hey, I'm sorry for this, this, and this. But I'm in a position where I can help them out in any way. I mean, is that. Is, what, you can be helpful. I'd hold off on the amend. Just by basically on saying, you know, apologizing, essentially. Yeah, I would, yeah, I, yeah uh, but making a, an apology is not an amend and uh, shouldn't be confused with that. And It's part of the amend. A part of the amend, yes, but the real amend. The, the amendment is a been. formula, and, and we're going to get into that. But right now we're talking about a list, making a list. Who should be on the list? People that will harm. Now, this following 12 is going to ask us on page, uh, let's try 81. And the uh, uh, paragraph starts, we might ask ourselves what we mean when we say that we have harmed other people. 80. Page 80. We might ask ourselves what we mean when we say we have harmed other people. What kinds of harm do people do one another anyway? To define the word harm in a practical way, we might call it the result of instincts in collision, which cause physical, mental, emotional, or spiritual damage to people. Okay. 
cause physical, mental, emotional, or spiritual damage to people. Now, you got your list. You got all the names on the list, right? So beside each name, you put a P, M, E, or S, or some combination thereof, because the nature of the harm determines the nature of the amount. It's very important. The nature of the harm determines the nature of the amount. If it's a physical harm, we make a physical amount. If it's a, an emotional harm, we make an emotional amount. Case in point, you know, I'm driving out of the driveway, I'm backing down the driveway, and I smash the, your car. You know, it's really nice that I walk up to you and I say, I'm going to pray for you, brother. <laughs> you know, it's like, while you're praying, get your checkbook out. <laughs> Because we're going to go down to the dealer and replace that front panel and uh, and get it painted. And you know, if restoration restitution is complete, you're going to pay for the rental car that I need to take time off to uh, go get that and uh, have a rental car while my car's in being fixed. This is restitution. The truth is that we're Spiritual beings living in a spiritual universe governed by spiritual laws having a human experience. And if we saw things the way that God sees things, there would be harmony in the universe. That we all have that little bit of God stuff in us. You know, whether you know you want to call that the animus, the vitae, the soul, whatever it is, it's that spark that was created within us by our creator. We were created in his image and likeness. Now we're all little bits of God stuff floating around the universe, bouncing into one another. And my problem is, is that I show up with my uh, disease, my stinking thinking, rotten behavior, and bad attitude, and cause all kinds of emotional trauma, discord, and grief. Now I'm in recovery. I'm trying to put my life back together. I'm, I want to restore, make restitution, restore the broken relationship at least to that point of neutrality that it had before I showed up with my bad attitude, rotten behavior, and stinking thinking. You know, that, to that God's harmony level that it had before I showed up screwed things up. Okay, so, that's the goal, the object, is restitution, the restored relationship, the broken relationship. So what's it going to take for us to be right? Well, you know, if I'm your friend and you smash my car, really, don't you want me to be satisfied? I mean, hey, I'm going to take care of it. You know, I got insurance. You know, we'll just take it down. It's going to cost me $500 deductible and they'll take care of this. And, you know, blah, blah, blah. So I'm cool. Okay, you know, it was a mistake. Let's, let's go forward. By the same token, you know, in an emotional harm, if I'm ragging on my kid all the time, telling him that he's a dumbass and, uh, and stupid, uh, I need to stop that. That's not good. It's not in his best interest. It's not in my best interest. And it's not true. So, we're going to change the behavior. I'm going to stop doing it. It's not like, I'm sorry, son, but I'm not going to do, and I'm not going to do that anymore. That apology is meaningless if tomorrow I say, hey, dumbass, come over here. You know, it's like the words are meaningless. The apology was meaningless. It's hollow. I try to listen to you. You know, your words, your actions don't match your words. 
if I'm sleeping with somebody's wife, you know, I don't walk up to them and offer them 50 bucks. You know, it's like the nature of the harm determines the nature of the amount. So beside each name on the list, we're going to put a P, an M, an E, or an S, or some combination, whatever applies. Because the nature of the harm determines the nature of the amount. I'll tell you a story. I used to have this Audi, nice car. I loved driving that car. And uh, one of the reasons I got this car is it had a dynamite sound system in it. I mean, just really nice sound system. And uh, and I came out of church one night, Wednesday night, late. It's like nine o'clock, nine thirty. It's in uh, Sacramento, California, and it's not freezing. It's like forty, mid forties, you know, forty three, forty four, and. Uh, I got a light jacket on, and uh, and I'm parked in a parking lot under a light, and I'm putting the key in the in the uh, door, and I and I look down and I see all this glass, you know, beside the door, and I thought, oh, somebody got in an accident here, and then I looked up, you know, and like this this uh-huh. basketball size hole in the driver's side window, and I open the door, and you know, all of there's broken glass all over the seat, and there we're my state-of-the-art blah punk uh, used to be there's all this spaghetti wiring hanging out of the dash and you know they boosted the radio you know it's like <clears throat> and this is before they had cell phones and they have to go back into the church and you know I used to phone you know I just had the car broken into and, then, and my hands bleeding because I tried to brush the glass off the seat you know it's like so and I knew that the insurance company wouldn't pay, you know, the claim unless there was a police report. So I went around till, you know, eleven fifteen now. I'm done with the police and everything and I'm driving home. And it's forty three degrees and I'm getting frostbite on my ear. You know, I'm going down the freeway and shh and the sound I'm thinking, damn, it's cold, and I turn up the heater, you know, and it's still freezing. And, uh, and the sound, you know, I want my sound. I keep forgetting, and I reach down to turn up the stereo, and there's just wire there, you know. It's, oh, man, a pain in the butt. Well, at that time, I think the deductible was 50 or 100 bucks or something. One much. It was a real pain, and I had to go three, get three estimates, you know, from stereo companies, and then I had to rent the car to, you know, drop it off and have the class fixed, and then take it over the street. It's a pain, and I thought, okay, they got it because it was top of the line blah pump. So I decided to put, you know, top of the line Kenwood in there. And I came out of school one night and go through the same thing again. And I figured, okay, you know, I'm going to dumb it down, you know. So I got top of the line Pioneer. <laughs> and then it was top of the line Sony. <laughs> I couldn't keep a stereo in the damn car, you know. And, uh, and I'm, you know, I'm in this relationship with this woman who's now my wife. And I mean, what this guy is stealing is my security. Every time I lock that car and walk away from it, you know, with this girl on my arm, I think, is this the day? Is this the night when I come back one more freaking time? You know, I have the ignominy of being reduced to a, a crime victim again. And the police could give a shit, you know. And 
and you know, and I'm filled with rage. And I'm playing softball on a regular basis, like on Sundays and stuff. And I'm, you know, I have these fantasies, right? I come back. I have my bath. And there it is. Some legs sticking out of the door, and this guy's boosting it, you know. And I first start at the at the ankle, so he can't run, right? And then working my way up, just just. And I'm getting off on this fantasy, you know, this anger, you know, it's like I'm gonna, and this guy, you know, he's, I can see it coming, and I want him to know, and you know, and then I smash his head, and I hate myself for these fantasies. I mean, this is terrible. This is mayhem. This is, I mean, this is rage, and I hate myself for thinking it, and I can't not think it, and uh, well. I'm also on the board of directors of this alcohol recovery facility in Northern California. And, you know, we got some uh, guys transitioning out of prison for, you know, doing the same thing and, and worse. And, uh, and I'm working the steps with sponsors and stuff, and we're talking about making amends. I'm thinking, you know, what would it take for me to get right? You know, what would it take for somebody to make an amend to me for, you know, boosting these radios for all these years? And I thought, you know, you know what I want? Some some night after a meeting, some guy to walk up to me and go, Robert, you know that Audi? It was me. And, uh, and I had a $300 a day habit, and I was boosting like 15 radios a day. And my life was like shit. And, you know, and I did two years, and I'm living in this halfway house, and I really want to get my life together. I really want to be sober. I never want to go back to doing that. And you tell me what I owe you, and I'll get right with you. You tell me, you know, now I'm not working, but I'm looking for work, and I'll pay you what I can. I'll pay you. I'll pay you five bucks a month for the rest of my life, but you just tell me how much I owe, and I want to get right because I never, I need to do, make my amends so that I don't relapse and I can get on with my life and I can have a good life. And you know what I'd say to him? Don't sweat it. You don't owe me a dime. Be sober. The best thing that you can do for me is be sober. Be well. Be a blessing. Yes. Okay. So now. Instead of every time I think of that mother, <laughs> you know, now I got this surge of yes, yes. This guy said he was sorry. He's not going to do it anymore, and his life's going to be good. He's he's good with God. Yes. What a dichotomy from being filled with a venomous rage to one of just a positive love affirmation. That's the kind of amend I want to make. That's the kind of amend I think that God, in my understanding, wants me to make. Now, my job is, how do I do it? And I can't guarantee that that's going to be the effect that I have on someone else. But that's my intent. That's what I want. That's what I'm shooting for. What's it going to take? Because I don't want somebody motherfucking me every time they think of me. Every time they think that I did them wrong. Because what I'm doing is I'm 
issuing them an invitation to show up as the worst self. And when I meet my maker, I'm going to have an accounting. And he said, you provided this you know, cancer that just ate away at this person for all these years. And you, now, you had a chance to make things right and, and to be a blessing in their life for that memory. And you blew it. Not me. I made my amends. Every one of them. Now, we'll get into the making of the amends and, and such. And, you know, it didn't happen overnight. And some of them took a lot longer. But that's another story. But as far as, you know, the attitude that I want to have, that's, I'm willing to make that kind of amend. I want the people on the list. I've made the list. I put beside me the type of harm, and I'm going to make the type of amend that the God of my understanding would have me make. And hopefully, it'll have some outlet that is close to that. I hope. But and I'm not responsible for the outcome. I'm just responsible for the effort. But by God, I'm going to do it. Invite people to be their worst self with our bad attitude, stinking thinking, and terrible behavior. There is a divine solution. There is a divine solution to every one of my living problems. Imagine a good outcome. Perhaps the most tragic effect was of our disease was in the damage it caused others. This step asks that we consciously remember and list those people who experienced the ravages of our disease. This requires absolute fearlessness. And again, going back to what Adam pointed out in the big book, our real purpose at this point is to fit ourselves to be of maximum service to God and the people about us. Now, with this attitude, I think that God would allow me to go out and have interaction with other people on the planet. Now I'm back into life. Or I'm ready for it. Forgiveness heals the wound. Forgetting heals the scar. That's all I got. I think it's real interesting. just occurred to me, you know, the discussion we were having just a few minutes ago about sobriety day and all that. I can just, it's so clear to me how this type works, it just clears all that up. I mean, it, to me, it, 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 uh, man, if I do this type of work, then um, that's not, I'm not, I'm not infatuated every day with, with that type of thinking, you know? And, because um, this stuff is powerful and it heals, it sure has with me. Um, I've, I, I look forward to continuing to talk about uh, nine. Um, do you want to do that now for dinner or wait? What time is that? Six on the list. Oh, well. Bill. I just like to offer this uh, page, it's page 80 in our edition, but uh, 
There's a list down, down below talking about uh, if our tempers are consistently bad, we lie, everybody can read. Then over on 81, it says that's, that's the gross misbehavior, but there's a lot of others like miserly, ir uh, irresponsible, callous, cold, etc. <clears throat> Uh, when I went through to write out my uh, inventory, I'm sorry, my uh, amends uh, to my now former wife, my uh, sisters, my brother, the people close to me, my parents were dead before I got sober. And uh, but people close. This makes a very good checklist. Okay? Did you ever lie or cheat with your your parents, siblings? Did you ever spend household money for your acting out? That would be driving your wife. I go through this and I look at every at, at each one of these to see if it fit. Now obviously I didn't go through this list for the girl at the checkout counter that I was brushed with. I mean, you know, I was verbally, you know, and, and that's not so I didn't have to go through all this. But I'm telling you this is a great place for me to start looking uh, because it allows Bill to see some of the ways that Bill has harmed uh, the people closest to him. And uh, I got to tell you, when I was uh, when I was done with this, uh, whatever whatever lack of willingness uh, may have existed, except six uh, and seven, uh, it just it just started to melt. Because it really broke my heart to see just how I had perverted the relationships, how I damaged so many relationships as a result of these defects of character. And I, at that moment, I wanted them all to be gone. I understand God's works are different, but I was entirely willing at that moment. How about, how about the rescue and your experience with eight? Hey, I'll just quickly echo what Bill said. He was reading over the uh, um, the top of 81. Uh, I remember specifically, I think I had Callis and Cole in my men's to my wife. Uh, so, I, yeah, I did use this too. And I appreciate that because I have a couple of sponsors in our eight step. And just, I think I will mention this to them about close relationships because there's like so much that goes on. You start thinking about a relationship that's been that drawn up. Sometimes you ever want to pick out the specific things. Um, so, yeah. Thank you, Alan. Step work to just not be able to do it anymore. And I've even had to go as far as um, 
you know, download the music off the internet or something else huge into it. I wanted all the latest music that I didn't want to pay for. I had to go back and get rid of all that, you know, dozens and dozens of albums that I had downloaded because it is illegal. And there just isn't any small snippet that I can possibly deal with. It's, it is lust, and it's lust that I cannot tolerate anymore. Um, I cannot tolerate lusting after something that I did not pay for. Uh, and I still have, you know, no, no doubt there's still dozens of amends from, you know, that I have
and, uh, I, you know, I knew I was stuck, but I, you know, I didn't have any, it, it was helpful to have some, it was helpful to hear your ears to see the pain that, to sense the pain that you've been through. Thank you, Richard. Thank you, Richard. Most people think that nine is the bitch, you know, that they balk at nine. And the bitch is eight. Once you have the willingness and know the kind of amends that we need to make, nine's a snap. It doesn't mean it's easy. It's still going to require a lot of courage. But now I'm eager to get it done, you know. Eight is the toughie. Having that willingness and and seeing clearly the kind of amends that we need to make. Uh, one of the things about eight, I think, is you know, on the back side of nine is where the promises show up. You know, in the in the big book, it's going to say, you know, the, we all know about the promises. That's like. That. Yeah, and the promises come halfway through step nine. Halfway through your amends list. Get halfway through the amends, and before we were halfway through, we will begin to know da-da-da-da-da-da-da. So, you know, by having the people on the list, there were people on my list that my ex-wife, for example, God, you know, I prayed to God for years that I would be able to make this amend. And I'll tell you about it when we talk about nine, but God said no. No, no, no. That's like, it got to the point that this is the last one. You know, I want to be able to say that. I took care of everybody on the list. What's wrong with you? I'm ready. No. What's the ugliest word a sexaholic can hear? No. Anyway. Uh, <coughs> the thing about having our ducks in a row, having that list and being clear about the kind of amends that we're going to make, and step nine is going to further categorize those amends. We have the PMES, but we'll also have immediate, delayed, maybe some that we can never do. But it's like guys always ask me, well, you know, if I'm working on the amends, you know, I'm getting ready, I'm not quite at nine. Suppose I see this person. And I say, well, you know, you have the ability to choose with intelligence in your own best interest. Well, I'll tell you what, if you can delay the amend until uh, the backside of nine, you will make a better amend than if you do it beforehand. Now, you figure it out that, you know, if you haven't seen this person in years and all of a sudden they show up, maybe it's a sign that you ought to take that bit in your teeth and take care of business. But the change in attitude is that I see somebody walking down the street that I used to just have terrible resentments against, but now I realize that I owe an amend to. And instead of ducking into the corner and looking in the glass to see when they've gone by, man, I mean, I make a beeline. I'm straight to them. I cross the street. Hey, Tom, I haven't seen you in years. And I sure am glad I ran into you because you've been on my mind lately. I wanted to apologize for my bad behavior. You know, some years ago. And so, what a, what a difference between trying to hide and dealing with all those feelings of, oh God, you know, da, 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 to, hey, thank you God. <laughs> Liking it is optional, but by God, you know, I want to clear this slate. I want to get on with my life. I'm, you're, you're between me and happy, joyous, and free. 
<laughs> I'm glad to see you. <laughs> so, you know, it's like that shift in attitude. Uh, forgiveness. You know, we, we talk. Forgiveness is a big part of this program. And we haven't really dealt with forgiveness. Yesterday I alluded to the fact that most people don't have a really good handle on forgiveness. Uh, but, you know, maybe we could do something right now. And I'll give you two stories, if you want. One is about my brother, one of my brothers, uh, who owed me a lot of money. What I thought was a lot of money. It ended up over a period of time to be about six grand, but he kept, you know, being short on his rent and being short for this or being short for that. I'd give him some money to get him by, and he always said, I'll pay you, I'll pay you, I'll pay you, I'll pay you. And he was the kind of guy, now all my brothers are in recovery at this point, uh, but he uh, uh, always had money for beer, cigarettes, and hunting or fishing or doing whatever he wanted, but never enough time to had any money to pay his bills or people he owed, like his brother, and really pissed me off. And uh, and my situation changed. Uh, I was involved in a serious industrial accident, and I spent a couple of months in traction and. Uh, subsequently had some back surgery and went through a bunch of crap. Uh, but anyway, uh, my financial situation was terrible and, uh, and I needed the money. And, uh, and you know, I was looking, scrambling to try to figure out how I could you know, make ends meet. There's a debt. <laughs> Let's get the money he owes us. You know, and I'm you know, bothering my brother and you know, he ain't having anything to do with me. And I'm pissing and moaning and whining, and I go to my sponsor, and my sponsor says, uh, "Why don't you forget the debt? <laughs> Are you insane? Are you not hearing what I'm saying?" You know, I, and it's like, "No, just forget it." What do you mean? Write him a letter and tell him the debt is forgiven. He doesn't owe you anything. Why would I do that? And he said, because resentments will kill you. And I started this letter. And it hurt me. And I wrote this letter and forgave the debt. And uh, my brother was getting married, remarried, and it coincided that just before he got remarried, I wrote him this letter and I said, my gift to you is a forgiveness of the $6,000-something that you owe me, and it is a gift, and it shall never be mentioned again. And the thing about forgiveness is that, you know, I got this, I got this committee that meets up here, you know, and uh, it's a cast of thousands. It, at least that's where it started. But you know, paying attention to them, you know, it gets down to like the same seven all the time. And uh, and I have these board meetings, right? I'm the chairman of the board, and you know, everybody's sitting around the table, and they kind of look like the fruit of the loom bunch, right? 
bang, there's an axe murderer and, and, and an addict and a priest and a warrior and, and a prosecutor. And the prosecutor never loses a case. And it's like, remember when? And then they did this. And then they did that. And, and it's like, you know, they convict every time. And it's like, forgiveness is a process, not an event. Forgiveness is a process, not an event. And every time the prosecutor shows up, remember, it's like, we say, thanks for sharing, but we already forgave him for that. What do you mean? Uh, we, you forgave him. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, you know, thanks for sharing, but we already forgave him for that. And so we give up the right. When we go, when we for, don't, don't forgive anything frivolously, unless you mean it. But if you want forgiveness, if you want to have the benefit of forgiveness, you give up the right to resent or prosecute. It's like, yeah. It was a bad deal. We forgave him for that. So, it's history. We're, not, we're never going to think about it again. And what happens is, is that, what's his name? He keeps showing up. But you got to show up every time. And when you do, you say, thanks for sharing, but we already forgave him for that. And, like, Butthead goes, uh, you know, if we show up, he's just going to tell us to go, well, we'll find somebody else, you know? And we forget. And, you know, the only time I really remember this incident is when I'm talking about steps. And other than that, my brother and I have a wonderful relationship. And I don't lend him any money. (laughs) (laughs) But, unless it's just a gift. But, you know, it's like, I have this wonderful relationship. The benefit of forgiveness is that it allows us to have this wonderful relationship. Uh, with people, we can let go of it. You know, when I ask people, you know, you have any uh, experience with forgiveness? You know, people, uh, yeah, yeah. it's like you have pets. You know, pets ever do anything inappropriate in the house? Well, you know, my cat shit my slipper. Honestly, uh, but we ended up forgiving him. He stopped shitting my slipper, but. <laughs> That's part of it. <laughs> but the thing is, is that once you forgive the animal, you know, then you have this wonderful relationship with it. You know, I have this wonderful relationship with my cats and my dog, and you know, and they've done things that really pissed me off. <laughs> but it's like they're dogs, you know? and so we forgive them. Bernie and the chicken bone. We were working the. Uh, I'll save that for the ninth step. Uh, but forgiveness is, is really powerful um, and really effective. Phil? Yeah, um, the White Book actually does mention that is taken step eight and one half. Uh, I think that's what we uh, and, and there's, as you've read already, there's uh, quite a bit about forgiveness in the 12 and 12. Not so much the big book, but. Um, um, one of you said earlier that uh, each step is the foundation for the one that follows. So when I get stuck at step eight, with and and uh, uh, I I was abused as a child and some other stuff, and uh, and I really I had no part of that. I mean I didn't do anything to deserve that. I did not set that ball rolling. Uh, 
and I had to work through that. But uh, by going back through preceding steps and looking at some of the things that I had done, uh, and, and some of those talk about in more detail afterwards, I'll be happy to. I got to the point where I could see, if you will, what was what was my what was the payoff to hanging on to that? And what was the payoff to let go of that? And it was in my self-interest to say, okay, I, I can give this person without excusing the behavior and then get on get on with life. Uh, and and uh, I, I couldn't agree more with what, what you said about premature events because if you screw it up the first time, then you're obligated to go back and make an amends for the amends. So if the person's already had a bad experience with you and your damn amends, you may not get that opportunity. And uh, so uh, I had a, I, I had a uh, sponsor who was pretty insistent that I was going to get to every day in one of those steps, but not on my own schedule and not in the order that I thought was important. So that's another thing, advantage of not not letting the crazy uh, addict, alcoholic, sexaholic be in charge of the show. Go find somebody else to run the video. Excellent point. Yeah. Excellent. It'll be in the sexaholic. Yeah, it'll be. Well, um, forgiveness, I, I uh, to people I may have been to who lived out of town, I wrote a letter and sent it. And uh, for those who were close to me, like my parents and siblings, I followed up with a phone call and uh, made sure they got the letter and asked if they had anything else they would know, like to share with me. Um, so anyway, I, I sent my mom a letter and when I came up against the part about forgiveness and said, hey, I knew I had work to do because I still had resentment against her um, for, uh, you know, she's an alcoholic. Um, and the behavior that came out of that mostly when I was living at home. And so you know, I really struggled with that because I said, you know, I, I have a hard time making this amends to her if I can't forgive her, but I feel like I can't just overcome it, you know, today. Say, okay, you know, I've forgiven you and, and that's the end of it. So what I ended up doing was putting in my letter, I, and I had to, I had really had to work on the wording of this, which was, you know, with, work on it with somebody else. I wasn't pointing any fingers by any means. And what, what I came up with well, I say that what me and the person who worked with me on it came up with was, you know, I have been holding on to resentment towards you, and I have no right to do that. I want you to know that I am letting go of that. Not that I have let go of it, because I knew it was going to come up again. I had to continue to let go of it. So I said, I am, you know, I am letting go of that. And that's, you know, that's how I sent the letter. I mean, with, with all the other stuff. And, um, and that's what I had to do. I mean, just a couple weeks ago, she was coming out. For some reason, and uh, um, or not, not for some reason, she was, she was coming through town. We were going to have lunch, and for some reason, you know, the old resentment slash judgment um, of her, you know, drinking and going to church, you know, that uh, sort of you know hypocrisy there. I found myself playing that over my head and feeling angry at her. You know, I happened to do that, and a really, this is kind of the point of what I'm saying. The really helpful tool that was given to me about learning to forgive is. Um, what someone's called moral hypocrisy, where I have done the exact same thing 
to the person or have done the exact same thing that I am, you know, judging or being angry at this other person about. So I'm saying you're being angry at my mom. She's, you know, she goes to church every week and then she goes and drinks, yada, yada, yada. And I'm like, okay, well, this is the resentment. I'm praying about it. You know, where am I wrong here? If I had done them, you know, hello. Um, you know, just a few years ago, I was going to church, living with my girlfriend, you know, and, and going to church every week and, you know, making no, you know, no bones about it. Uh, but I felt terribly guilty, you know, I couldn't stop what I was doing. But yet I was doing the exact same thing, you know, here I am condemning her in my head, like the committee mentions for you know, doing it. And when that when that came to me, it was just like I could I could feel myself, you know, like restored to sanity, you know, one more time. Okay, she's a human being. I'm a human being. I've done the same thing. I know where I can be placing passing judgment on her. That's been really helpful for me lots of times to go through that process when I'm like in my head, what is wrong with you? I kind of try to turn that back around. Okay, well, I've done the exact same thing a lot of times I have. That brings that brings us to me. Thanks, Elmer. Thank you. Bill made an excellent point in for those of us that have been victimized and abused and it's like uh, for years I asked God to show me how I could you know be forgiving of these people and uh, and particularly my father and uh, and I mean he used to really beat the crap out of me and you know it's like I was resistant because what I thought was if I said uh, I forgive this that meant that what he did was okay and what he did wasn't okay. And it wasn't okay when he did it, and it ain't okay today. But that's not what forgiveness is. You know, uh, forgiveness is something else again. Uh, and we pray, you know, if, if, it is, if, if the amend isn't clear, you know, we pray. You know, we ask sponsors, we ask other people, we uh, Look for that divine solution. There is a divine solution, and just because we see it doesn't mean that it doesn't exist in the mind of God. What I need to do is try to, you know, get like this with God, and hopefully there will be some enlightenment there, and I will be able to see the right path. And, and then once I see it, you know, it's it's clear. Now, with uh, Frank, my father, uh, when I left. I, Grew up in San Diego and uh, got sober in AA in San Diego, low these many years ago. And when I left San Diego, it was on a sailboat going south. And, uh, and I spent two years crewing on sailboats uh, off the coast of Mexico and over in the Caribbean. And I had a, actually, these books, uh, International Directory and my 12 and 12 and big book. Went to meetings everywhere. Uh, but when I left, there was no forwarding address. Fuck you. And uh, for nine years, I want my old man to wake up every day and wonder, I wonder whether my son is alive or dead. No contact for nine years. 
And uh, nobody knew where I was, what I was doing. No contact with the family. And, you know, it, like we read uh, earlier in the big book, the uh, Club of Anger turned out that we had intended for others turned out to be the one that we used on ourselves. And guess who woke up every day? Not about Frank. <laughs> and I hated it. And, you know, when I finally got uh, sober and, and uh, worked, worked through these steps with Mike, you know, it's like, shows up like this. You know, and how do I make amends? You know, how do I, how do I get right with Frank when I really hate that SOB and, uh, for what he did and the way he treated me? And, you know, but, I ain't going to be a doormat and I ain't going to go back and get more of the same. You know, it's like I'm not going to take his abuse. So how do I do this? How, how do I do this and stay like this with, with God? How do I be a blessing? And, uh, and how do I make this a man? And I prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed for years. And it just, it just didn't feel right. It wasn't, it wasn't right. And then uh, one day, it was there. I was like, got it. And uh, I was living in Atlanta, had gotten sexually sober, and uh, picked up the phone and said, Frank, this is uh, your son, Robert. And uh, I'd never called him Frank before in my life, but by God, it was Frank now. Uh, Dad doesn't live at Frank Manning's house. And, uh, and called him up and said, Frank, this is your son, Robert, and I want to apologize for my bad behavior. I use my silence and the withholding of my love as a weapon with which to hurt you. And I apologize for that. And I had pretty much envisioned everything that he could possibly uh, respond to about that. And uh, it says, we're going to read it in a little bit. And it says, and nine times out of ten they will surprise you. And, and Frank said, oh, that's okay, Bob. Uh, you know, sometimes fathers and sons have these little disagreements. And I thought, what an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm here to clean up my side of the street, and we didn't get into that. And I'll tell you the rest of the story when we get to nine. But, uh, but you know, it was the willingness to make him in. I had the willingness, but I didn't have the knowledge. I didn't know how to make that work. But once I saw how it could make it work for me, it was like, what I had done is I had used, you know, my silence and the withholding of my love as a weapon for revenge. And that was wrong. And I apologized for my bad behavior. And I told him I wouldn't do it again. I wouldn't treat him that way again if he didn't want it. He got to call a shot there. And, uh, and it was good, and you know, I hardly ever think about him anymore. There's, I wanted to share something with, um, with my dad and with my mother, and making amends, and how how important it was for me with this willingness bit before going to make amends to him. Um, and in particular, realizing, okay, my dad. He was a good dad, but he was, he was a drunk. He's an alcoholic, and uh, so I was raised in a household where that was the okay thing to do was drink alcoholically. And um, 
and I've had two different stepfathers now. So, so I was pissed at my mom, and it was her fault because she's had four husbands. And pissed at my dad, and it's his fault because I'm a drunk, I'm an alcoholic, because I ended up being just like the old man. And um, therefore had a lot of bitter resentment. My dad's fault. Me and my brother don't have a good relationship because he raised us an alcoholic home and so forth. And um, one of the most significant things I had to work through was, as we were talking about, getting to a place of forgiveness for my mom and dad, working on my inventory and my part of it in the inventory steps. And then I came to a place where I dealt with my own resentment and realized that my own happiness, serenity, peace, and recovery is my own responsibility and period. And that's it. And uh, however they're going to respond when I go to make this amend is their response and what have you. And uh, it happened to be, you know, talk about it more in a nice step, positive. But... Um, for sure, there's definitely some fear and uncomfortability with the idea of thinking of sitting down and, and really opening myself up to them in a in that intimate way, and uh, you know, with but realizing and seeing really pretty how you know clearly the wreckage and the pain that I caused in doing the inventory, I really kind of got some willingness as a result of really seeing the truth of what the, sh- the shit that I put them through for ever since I started with my nonsense at a young age. And I just, I seem to wrap up a lifetime of bad behavior, lying, and treating my parents like like just complete shit. Up, like I wrapped it all up into just a matter of a few years and just threw it at them and really managed to, 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 to do a significant amount there. And... Um, and uh, I really had to come to a place of, of willingness to really set the matter straight and know that's what I was going in to do. And it was not a, going to be a half-hearted apology. Um, and, uh, and I really kind of had to know what I was about to do before I did that. And being in treatment for almost three years helped with that. And, and I worked a lot with that issue. And uh, But... Uh, and then the same thing with my brother and another immediate family and the, the little exercise, as I've heard it referred to as the tornado exercise, which I really like, starting with you know the most immediate family and then working your way outward. And, um, but uh, having that willingness has been, has been absolutely, was absolutely indispensable in, as far as you know, having that open heart before before going to make those those amends, um, I wanted to share that before I know we get back and talk talk about step nine. Uh, so how about we call time, take a break, get something to eat, talk about later. I would like to thank you for listening to this episode of The Daily Reprieve, the best source for experience, strength, and hope for SA members. 
please subscribe to this podcast to be alerted of new episodes. Please show your support by donating to The Daily Reprieve by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and choosing either monthly donations or a one-time donation by clicking Donate Now. Thank you for listening, and stay tuned for the next episode of The Daily Reprieve. Thank you.